Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Everybody, welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren, here. I got my best bud co-host, Brad. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited for today's show. Are you? I missed you. It's been oh. it's been like a whole week since our last episode. That's right. And I don't get to see you in between. I know. It's crazy. It is. Um, but I am really excited about today. We have a phenomenal guest. Today we are here with Kati Gushtaspi. She is the founder of Purist Consulting. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we are so glad to have you back again today. You know, we got some really good feedback last, last time you were on the show. I checked out your website site. You had a branding toolkit. It was amazing. And so I just really appreciate you being here and sharing that information with us and definitely excited to pick your brain a little further. And we're going to kick it off with maybe if you could just tell us just a little bit about your background. I am a former lawyer. I became a lawyer because I wanted to save the world as a refugee immigrant. And that was my way of thanking the United States for putting a warm blanket over me and taking me in all those years ago. And um, I became a securities lawyer. I had a fantastic career in Washington, D.C. as a federal lobbyist with the Securities and Exchange Commission at a major law firm and then in-house here in Southern California. Uh, but that was where I burnt out. Um, I had spent many, many days and, and weeks drafting a small part of a prospectus. I went home and there was my own prospectus and I reflexively threw it away. Uh, and then I realized, oh my gosh, that's not why I became a lawyer. This is not how I'm going to save the world. <laughs> and my gastroenterologist was saying that my stress was so high that he was going to kill me. So I had to quit my job. So I did. And I reinvented myself two years before the recession when people really weren't reinventing themselves. Uh, everyone thought I was nuts. I thought I was nuts. But um, I went down this different path because I realized that, hey, I saw the recession coming and I realized, hey, as professionals, we had to figure out a way to count on ourselves and our own brand, if you will, to be able to self-promote ourselves and sell ourselves because businesses were shutting down. Big companies were shutting down. The brand was gone that stood behind employees all those years and lawyers all those years. So what were people going to do in order to be professionals, but count on themselves? And that was develop who they are in their brand. And so I've been very privileged to do that for 12 years globally as a professional public speaker and as a branding expert. And, um, Specifically to that point, two years ago, I was the chair of the American Bar Association, the entire law practice division, where the goal is nationally for North American lawyers to really teach them how to market and their business and their brand and who they are. And it includes finance and technology support as well. So I got to do that. And then this year, uh, they gave me a year off for good for good behavior. And this year, <laughs> oh, I chair the diversity and inclusion committee, which I'm doing for them. Fantastic. I know in a previous episode, we were talking a lot about brand, but this episode, we want to include a little bit more about diversity and inclusion. So I'm excited to add that to the topic today. Yeah, it's a very, very important topic. And I'm happy to tie the, the two concepts together for you because I think it's something that uh, lawyers don't often focus on, mm -hmm. but I think it makes their practice grow and it, it feeds a very important aspect of society and it makes life much easier 
from mm-hmm. a practice perspective and from a human perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Kathy, I'm so glad to have you back again today. You know, we talked last time and you were just wonderful. You were so motivational. And I think everybody, all of our listeners came back and just absolutely love the, the direction and the help that you offered on the episode. So I know we had a couple people reach out and visit your site and there were some really good assets there for them to reference. Thank so. you. Thank you. Yeah. So one question that I have, and I've read a lot of articles lately because obviously diversity has been in the news a lot this year. And the legal industry is probably one of the industries that's been a little slower over the years to adopt. So why do you think the legal profession has been so slow to change and to adapt to all the diversity going on these days? So that's a very good question. The legal profession is grounded in precedence, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what you look at. Whether you're a litigator or not, the law is the law and we follow what came before. And so that's one reason. The second reason is the practice of law is mired in our left linear brain, which is the analytical portion, A plus B equals C. The creative aspect of who we are and and, and the diversity certainly in one of in that uh, area is about our right creative brain. Mm-hmm. And so when you marry the two factors of precedence being so paramount and important in the practice of law and a traditional career is law, but such a noble career in my opinion, plus the fact that um, that we rest in our left linear brain and don't allow any outlet for seeing things differently, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't allow us to really stop and understand that diversity is our greatest asset as human beings. And really understanding that diversity, um, belonging, inclusion mm-hmm. is, is so very important, not just in the practice of law, but as people. And who are we as lawyers? We're people and we're serving clients who are people as yeah. well. I, I love your answer. I think it, it really makes people think. Yeah. I want to kind of put those two things together and, and elaborate on it a little bit more. So you've came, you know, you and I are working together. You've helped me to identify my brand and who I am. And then it's going to open up my eyes and look at things differently now because I'm self-reflecting more. I'm looking at the world a little bit differently. How does it make that jump to diversity and inclusion and biases that are out there? How how do they relate together? How do you keep them you know, going in a positive direction? Kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, another excellent question. So the hallmark of brand development is self-awareness. If you're not aware of who you are and how that message is landing on your clients or potential clients or your co-counsel or people at the firm, then there's no way we can improve on the brand or evolve the brand and grow the brand. Mm -hmm. When you have self-awareness, it's all the things you talked about, Brad. And when you go through my program, you realize who you are, you own it. You're like, wow, I'm a powerful person. I'm not just a lawyer. I have unique I have values. I have core values. I have adjectives that describe me. I have a natural talent. I have a story that people want to hear and that's empowering and motivating. Then you sit back and because of what we talked about in episode one, your self-confidence is high and your stress Mm -hmm. is lower. And we find that people discriminate and and hold their biases when their self-confidence is low. People Mm -hmm. who are confident don't go out and judge others. Curious brands win, and the hallmark of the curious brand and an effective brand is non-judgmental listening. When we listen from a non-judgmental place, we're discerning, and being discerning allows us to understand others and to take the next step. What do I do next? That's all very neutral, 
But that neutrality allows us to accept other people, which is really the core of what diversity is about. Our implicit biases are implicit. They're subconscious. The work I do around branding with all lawyers and everybody, frankly, is about taking what's subconscious and bringing it to the conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. That means that you want to know what your talents are and what your story is or what people are telling you you're good at. It's got to become conscious so you can change it. When you're conscious, guess what? You're also conscious of your implicit biases at that point. And Mm -hmm. again, everything we work on is not always comfortable and rosy. It's there's (laughs) discomfort there, but Hey, I only work with courageous and powerful people and people who are willing to be courageous and powerful, willing to get uncomfortable and make a lot of money out of it and help a lot of people. (laughs) So when you go there and you look at those implicit biases, I mean, I have my own and I'm always shocked when I take the assessments and do that. (laughs) The teacher has biases. Of course the teacher has biases. I'm human, right? Somebody named Julie pulled my hair when I was in first grade. Now everybody named Julie. trigger something in me, right? Like We all have one of those. Yep. We all have that. But to answer you, it's, it's exactly that. Once you figure all that out, then everything is now conscious. You get a choice. You can still discriminate. You can still say, I don't choose to accept you. I don't choose to allow belonging to happen here. But at that point, at least you're making a choice, which is way more powerful than coming at stuff unconsciously because it's all about the intentional plan. Mm-hmm. You- you know, uh, you talk about finding those things that you're good at and bringing those to to light so you're more confident in who you are and less stress. Is it equally as important to find the things that you're not good at? Because when, you know, I think when people are asked to do something that they're not good at, their stress level rises and then maybe that's where a bias would come in or jealousy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So is it important to look at both sides and recognize that and then figure out how to address it? Absolutely. So when I go into corporate settings, I'm always like, why are you trying to get this woman or this man, this lawyer, this whatever profession to do X when the analytics and the statistics and the surveys and the assessments are showing they're not good at X? Well, because we hired them (laughs) to do it. Well, that's just torturing the firm and wasting money. I'm all about savings and efficiencies, right? So we want to maximize people's natural strengths and Mm -hmm. minimize what they're not good at. One, because it's just efficient business, right? Mm -hmm. And and two, because the more of what I'm good at that you give me to do, the more it boosts my self-confidence. And then I will do anything for you. I will go to the ends of the world if I feel like somebody's my champion and allowing me to shine and encouraging me. And so that goes actually to a management point. Mm -hmm. So many say, you know, I became a lawyer. I don't want to be anybody's manager. I just want to keep my head down and do my work, right? And it's true. I really appreciate that. However, managing people is just understanding that at the end of the day, we all have things that motivate us and the things that don't motivate us. And part of that is what I'm good at. And you can't make me do something that I I just am not good at. Like, I am not a good chef. (laughs) I can't. My husband's like, those flavors don't go together. Oh, I thought it tasted pretty good. He's like, no, don't go. Well, like, first of I, all, he's supposed to say it's amazing. So that's on him. Well, right? my husband's a great guy. But my point is that some things, you know, you need that honest feedback, right? right. And so then don't have me yeah, cook. Exactly. Because like, my palate is my palate and it doesn't work. <laughs> 
same thing for people. Let them succeed. When people succeed, they will thrive and they will, they'll be motivated to follow your lead. That's what good leaders do rather than Mm -hmm. beating people down for not doing things right. And when I look back on my legal career, I had both. I had those people that let me succeed. And I had those people that I'm like, I'm subconsciously, I remember thinking, why, why doesn't this person see that this is not my forte? Why am I working on Uh this? Yeah. And we talked a lot about that in the first episode too, really just understanding what you're good at and understanding what your team is good at. So you can get them into the positions where they will thrive or ultimately, you know, maybe go find work elsewhere. But at the end of the day, you're left with that, that culture that works well, that's productive, that drives revenue and meets those goals. So I do want to step back a little bit too, because we've talked a lot about the benefits of a diverse team. We've talked a ton about the benefits of branding yourself and branding your firm. But how do you get to that point? So how do you find that diverse team that still really fits into the brand that you're building for your firm and the brand that all of your employees are building for themselves? Yeah. So finding the right people is critically important. And it starts with knowing what you want and knowing what you want in terms of employees is about knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so often lawyers are like, well, I just need an, an associate or I need a paralegal. I'm like, that's not what you need. What do you want? So go back and Tony Robbins does a really good job. If you want good job descriptions and ads, go on Tony Robbins' website. I do not know Tony Robbins. I'm not advocating. (laughs) But he writes great ads. So look at the characteristics of who you are. Again, that's why we go back to what I do. Without knowing who you are, your brand, your brand trajectory, the strategic intentional branding growth goal for you, it's very hard to hire other people to join you because more and more you're finding that the millennial generation or any generation really, they're becoming more astute because they work with people like me and other people that are going, mm-hmm. well, when you go interview, make sure they're asking about you and make sure they're talking about their values and what the firm stands for and what their growth goals are and all that. And so if you're not telling me what I need to know about the future with you, then I'm not going to want to work with you. And so you must know who you are and then know your goals and then know what characteristics of people you want to hire. And then diversity comes in because now when you put all that on paper and you look at it from who you are, you should be looking for balance, right? You don't want to hire people just like you because in the branding world, I'm like, it's so great when I get <laughs> 10, 12 lawyers, right? Because divide and conquer becomes really important, right? If all of you resonate with um, the same community service platform that I built for you, or the same networking group or idea, or you have the same natural talents, then you're all really just one person Mm -hmm. instead of 12 lawyers, right? Like diversity is about that, that you're attracting from a marketing perspective, from different areas of society and your community, right? For clients rather than not. So when you map this out, that's what you're looking for. Hey, who lends themselves to different differences than I have Mm -hmm. and who has got strengths, but you know, you just don't want to hire someone because they're diverse because that's also a slap in the face, right? As a woman, uh, I'm, a, I'm very qualified to be on a public company board. And sometimes people are like, well, you know, you should just be on one because the law says you should be on one. And that's okay, great. But that's not why you should want me on a board because I'm competent, right? Right, right. exactly. In HR experience. So you should want to hire a lawyer because they're competent, but also 
if you have a choice, then that diversity might bring a point of view and bring in clients from diverse places mm-hmm. that you would never otherwise have access to or a connection value to. So the diversity brings broader connection value and it it, it just brings perspective to life, right? If we all have the same perspective on life as lawyers, then it's a very stale practice mm-hmm. in a stale work environment. And we, I know there's comfort and in sameness. I understand the sociological aspect. Believe me, I've studied it so much. But we fool ourselves in that comfort. Discomfort is where we grow. So it's great to have like. Like attracts like. I get it. But like also doesn't expand belief in, in culture. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like what you said. And, and I think something that resonates really well is that a lot of people who may not be minorities, they don't realize that there's potentially a group of prospective potential clients that they're missing out on because those clients may be minorities and they're looking for that that like person like you just said there's comfort and likeness and you know you could be missing out on a, a huge potential target market at your firm because one you're not you're not diverse you know and you that brings your own problems internally like we've been talking about but it also does affect your business as well Absolutely. And it's okay that you might not have access to that audience. But, you know, it's about do people get me at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. every client, every profession legal is no difference, want to be heard and cared for Mm -hmm. and gotten. So my favorite phrase, here's a tip for the audience is I got it. I use (laughs) that phrase all the time. I'm like, I got you. I understand what you're saying. Doesn't mean I agree. Doesn't mean I disagree. That's what people don't like. They're looking for, you know, solidarity. I'm like, but you have been heard. Anything else? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, then I will get back to you. <laughs> so people want to be heard at the end of the day and they want to be related to. And if you're all the same, you cannot relate to the, to more to a broader audience. Yeah, like exactly. You so your business cannot grow from that angle. It yeah. just can't. And right. you mentioned that last time on the show too. You just you need to find a way to resonate, no matter who you're working with, internal, external, race, sex, gender, any of that. You need to find a way to resonate with everybody. Right. Absolutely. So we've talked quite a bit about the brand, the diversity, things like that. And I think going into any firm, there's always opportunity to grow as an individual, as a firm, you know. But what do you do if there is actually a discrimination issue that's occurring that's prevalent in the firm. What do we do about that? What steps do we take? Yeah, so that's it gets to be a touchy subject, right? So mm-hmm. thanks for bringing it up. I have a step-by-step guide um, that I have that I'm more than happy to share with anybody who wants to email me. And, and it's a personal conversation I have with a lot of lawyers that are like, I don't know who to talk to about this. So first of all, you need to have a plan in place for this so that every lawyer in the firm feels comfortable with it, as comfortable as the uncomfortable topic mm-hmm. can get, right? Rather than, oh, well, we're just going to pass this along to you know, bury it under the rug. That's really what it's code for. We're going to pass this to the managing partner, or if you're in an in-house, the, the GC's office, that's where things go to die. So having a place and plan, a plan in place, excuse me, where, okay, step one is um, everyone is alert and everyone is aware. Step two is no matter who it is, reports to their person right above them. 
and fills out this form, or maybe it's just a conversation. Step three is we meet as a firm. You know, the smaller firms have that huge benefit where all seven lawyers, all 10 lawyers get in a room and we're going to have a conversation about it. Step four is we take what action by what date. Like all of this is prescribed so that no one gets uncomfortable and twitchy and no one does anything outside of the process. And that's just being a good lawyer, right? We followed the process. We followed the rules and no one can say, see, you didn't follow the process for me. And that in and of itself brings comfort and brings a strategy, right? And doesn't allow people, more importantly, to overlook these issues when they happen, right? Because they're like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do about this. I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Pretending like something doesn't happen just perpetuates it, right? Because it will happen again if it happened once. And look, we're hoping none of this ever happens, but it's just human. It's just natural. And not looking at it from a perpetrator's perspective is really important too. Again, non-judgmental listening. That's what great brands do. They're just curious. We're just fact-finding. We're trying to make everyone feel good and do good work and feel comfortable in their work setting. And that that's the process that I recommend. Yeah. So I kind of want to bring it full circle here. We started the episode talking about how the legal industry has been on the slower side of adapting to inclusion and diversity. So we talked through a lot of really good information today, a lot of really good resources. What can those in the legal industry do to really ensure that their industry is part of the solution for advancing inclusion and diversity moving forward or for better Yeah. So everyone is responsible. Every single person is responsible and no one can say that's not my problem. And I know we've all heard this truly, but until we feel it in our bones and until we really step back with pride and say, I'm proud to be a lawyer. So I want my industry to be better. Mm -hmm. And so this is not about snitching. This is not about pointing the finger. This is saying, where can I be part of this solution? Maybe it's just that, you know what, every person named Julie, I'm going to stop and have self-awareness around. (laughs) Seriously, it's small things, right? Or I'm just going to take this program and be more discerning. But the one thing I don't want people to do is bring in these diversity programs. I teach plenty of diversity and branding programs, but what I always ask my law firms is, please do not just bring me in for an hour project. And diversity is not a initiative. Okay. Initiative start and end diversity is I really brought it to the ABA and I love being the chair for that reason is it's an ongoing process. It's evolution. It's humanity, right? So this isn't a one-off thing that we do to make ourselves feel better and check the box. It's about responsibility. And if we're not responsible around this, then I really want you all to think about the uncomfortable question is where am I just not being responsible in my life? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. From home to not. And I ask all the hard questions. I should have been a reporter. <laughs> but it's true, right? So everyone takes responsibility. And that's an individual conversation. So stop and think, where could you be doing different? I'm not judging you, not mm-hmm. better, but different in your ability to say, hey, is this diverse? Is this equitable? Is this inclusive? And is this creating a sense of belonging for everybody? Mm-hmm. And how could I be doing my part to make it more so? And what are my own biases? There's plenty of tests out there. Just take a test and get uncomfortable because you will find biases that you're like, wow. I mean, mine blew my mind. I'm like, holy bananas, right? <laughs> 
that, but it's an individualized process and it's a very personal thing. It really is. But um, saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not suffering, so it's not my problem. It's just a bad way to groom people. And um, I love this country. I want us to be better people and better lawyers for it. And so that's my recommendation. Yeah, I love your answers. I think they're phenomenal. And I think obviously it's not just for the legal industry. It's for everybody. If you could uh, leave our listeners with just one point, what would it be? Around diversity Mm -hmm. and the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Take it easy on yourself. It's okay. It's okay if we screw up in this area. And I truly mean that. As lawyers, the trait that I find that holds us back the most is perfectionism. It makes us good lawyers to a point, but it also makes us expensive lawyers because we're always taking longer and the billables are bigger and we make more mistakes. So leave perfectionism at the door around this topic of diversity as well. All I'm asking you to do is have a little more self-awareness and see see differently, choose to see things differently, that this could have a huge impact for the good on your life, on your career, on your happiness and how well you sleep at night. If you just shift your perspective just a little bit and do something based on your comfort zone that makes you happier. And I'm not asking for you to have to be difficult, be hard on yourself at all. Um, Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show and everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Lex Factor. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.